Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened. And we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged. And we love you. God bless. Welcome to 40 Days of Prayer. And can I tell you, if uh, the next five weeks are as powerful as this past week has been, then we're in for a ride, y'all. I have already just, so many of you have talked to me about... uh, about the impact that this study has already had, and it's just, it's just a very cool thing. It's difficult, though, because how I many you know when you talk about prayer, that's a pretty broad subject, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll talk about prayer in six weeks. No, no. Uh, I did a Google search this morning. Uh, I typed prayer into the Google search engine. 571 million web pages on prayer. So we're going to cover that in six weeks. Are you kidding me, right? 571 million, but that's still not mega millions, million, you know. And I'm assuming none of y'all hit that because I'm just saying. We asked our pastor in Statesboro one time, said if uh, somebody in our church won the lottery, pastor, would you take that money as, as a tithe? And he said, son, I don't have as deep a voice as he does. He said, devil had that money long enough (laughs) so that would be yes 571 million web pages 113 million videos 33 million news articles on prayer pretty big deal isn't it so here's the deal we've noticed that there are three facts about prayer we're going to jump right into this because as the the great poet Jerry Reed said we got a long way to go in a short time to get there If y'all got that, then you're old as me. First thing I want you to understand is our creator wired us, wired human beings for prayer. Everybody prays. Not everybody prays to the same God. Everybody prays. Every culture that has ever been on the planet has prayed to something or someone. It's what separates us. From all the other creatures in the world, we are wired for prayer. Look at this passage in Ecclesiastes 3, 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Your heart is wired for things of eternity. Your heart is wired to talk to your creator. The second thing we notice, and this is kind of the reason... We call this particular sermon the beginner's guide to prayer. Now, some of y'all read that one. I ain't no beginner. I've been praying all my life. Can we just get on a a, a level field here and say, we're really not all that good at it. That's 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 your second feeling. We're not very good at prayer. Anybody ever feel inadequate when you pray? Has anyone's knees ever shaken when somebody asks you to pray in public? Somebody asks you to pray over a meal and you're like, huh? 
Hey, let me take a little pressure off of you. The Apostle Paul felt the same way. Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and here's what he said in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Have you ever thought, oh, I, I, probably should, I probably should pray, but I don't know what to say. Even the disciples. Now, the disciples walked with Jesus everywhere they went. Everywhere he went, heard every sermon, saw every miracle, saw it all, and said this in Luke chapter 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And here's what you need to understand. All those guys were, were Jewish, you know, Jewish uh, had a Jewish ancestry, and, and they, they grew up in the church. They grew up hearing rabbis pray. And, and so here's what I think that they were saying. They weren't saying, Lord, teach us to pray. Give us some model. They said, well, we've seen the miracle, and we saw you raise the dead, and we saw you feed the 5,000. Teach us to pray like you pray. So we're not very good at it. In fact, if, if I were to take a poll, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. If I were to ask you, do you struggle in this part of your spiritual walk? I, I, I bet you most of us would raise our hand. And so that's what this 40 days is all about. Let's undo some misconceptions about prayer and let's just learn what it's all about. How many know God doesn't want for you to feel like talking to him is difficult? Number three, our frustrations are caused by misconceptions, and we're going to do away with some of those. There are a lot of false ideas about what prayer is all about. We're going to talk about four of them real quickly. Now, I know that some of y'all opened your bulletin this morning and thought, my goodness, there's a lot of fill-ins. And there are, but we're going to go through them quickly. But I, I want you to stay with me because I, I think some of these misconceptions are a big deal for, for a lot of us. Number one, prayer is not a magic wand. It's not some tool that you can use to change whatever's going on in your life. It's not, it's not a genie in a bottle. And sometimes we think it is. We think, okay, well, prayer is what's going to get me what I want. It's not... Abracadabra, I got a better wife. Doesn't work that way. It did for me, but for the rest of y'all, probably not. God's not your genie. So let's stop treating him like he is. Number two, the second misconception is prayer is not a fire extinguisher. And if, if, if you know, if you've ever been like in an office building, what's the fire extinguisher behind usually? Glass. And what does the glass say? Break in case of an emergency. And that's what we use prayer for. When the building's on fire and there's an emergency, we're going to pray. Oh, there's so much more to prayer than that. We, we get desperate. Oh. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting, and, and I've said this before. We've tried to keep God and prayer out of our public school systems, but let somebody come in with a gun, what's the first thing they're going to ask us to do? 
Maybe if we hadn't kicked him out in the first place. Just a thought. How many of you prayed, God, if you get me out of this mess? Yeah. How many know God hears that prayer? But, but there's, there's so much more to what God wants from our communication with him and his communication with us. We treat, remember, some of you will remember our, our prayer, our, our Pray First series we did a, a year and a half or, or so ago. And we said this, that prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Pray first. How about this? Have you ever said this? Maybe, maybe you got a, a bad report from a doctor. And you'd say, well, all we can do now is pray. Your kids are in trouble. I don't know what else to do but pray. Why is it that we wait till then? Like, like it's some desperate plea. And, and don't get me wrong. I believe God hears our desperate pleas, please, but there's so much more. Prayer is not just talking to God when the house is on fire. Another misconception. Prayer is not a tug of war with God. Trying to convince him to do things your way. Can I just drop this little nugget? You don't want to win that tug of war. Because he knows what's best. And if God's put a, a closed door in front of you, you best leave it closed. Anybody ever tried to kick open a door that God closed with a relationship or... It, ne it never works out when we try to kick open a door that God's closed. So let's stop the tug of war. Well, maybe if I keep pestering and badgering God, one day I'll get that Ford Raptor that I've always wanted. <laughs> Not that I'm, that's me, but kind of. Or we, we start this little bargaining game. God, if you'll do this for me, I'll do this for you. No. I, I've prayed that anybody will be honest like Dwayne is right now and have said, God, if you'll, if you'll fix this, I'll never again. Yep. Can I just tell you, that, that's not what, how it's supposed to be. And the last misconception, listen, prayer's not just a ritual to relieve your guilt. Now listen, y'all have heard me enough I, I believe in repentance. I believe in God's forgiveness and his grace and his marvelous mercy that covers our sin. And there is a, a beautiful time of prayer when we can repent and God cleanses us. And it, anybody knows what forgiveness feels like? Man, isn't that an awesome, awesome feeling? But can I tell you that, that it, it's, it's more than just, I blew it. So fix it. Okay, I feel better. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about four foundational truths about prayer. And what I hope happens as a result of today, and, and really not just today, but the entire six weeks, is that we understand that prayer is not this unattainable goal that, well, I can't pray like Kathy Max can pray. Well, you're not Kathy Max. How about you pray like you? Because that's what God wants from you. All right, first thing is, God loves for me to talk with him about anything. 
So who's that friend that you have that you can tell anything to? I've got some friends in my life that I, it doesn't matter. I can just share. I can spill it. Doesn't that feel good? Here's what you need to understand. If you're interested in something, God is interested in it. If there's something going on in your life that's causing you grief and heartache, if there's something in your life that you're celebrating, God wants to hear about that. He's your father. Those of you that are parents, don't you love to celebrate with your children? Man, we had an awesome celebration yesterday, and I love the, 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 the opportunity to celebrate with my children because I, I love what they love, and I hurt when they hurt. Here's what the Bible says in Psalm 103. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Why is God interested in what you have to be, what you have to say? He loves you, number one. Those things that you're interested in, he gave them to you. And he enjoys talking with his children. So why? Why do we not have that open dialogue? My, uh, my wife had a little meltdown yesterday. Can I, I didn't tell her I was going to. I'll get forgiveness later. <clears throat> my wife had a little meltdown yesterday. Um, you know, as, as many of you know, Matt got married yesterday. Beautiful girls, awesome day. So she's trying to find some pictures, and she climbs up in the top of our closet, and she finds his baby book. And she, <laughs> it, it, she walks into the kitchen, and she's holding the baby book, and I see her eyes. I'm like, it's big to get ugly. As she's flipping through the baby book, and she's just having a little meltdown, and it, and it forces us to go back into our memory and, re, and remember when they were little babies. And, you know, we loved those little babies even before they could communicate with us, before they could ever have a conversation with us. We loved them. But can I tell you, I, I don't love them more today. Well, I probably do love them more today, but, you know, it, there's something special about being able to have a conversation with your children, isn't there? And then as they grew up, the conversations got a little deeper and a little deeper. You know, see, when they're six, their conversations about, you know, PlayStation or paintball. Now that they're adults, their conversations are completely on another different, deeper level. It's about family and finances and dreams and hopes. Work, career. Isn't it interesting how we mature the deeper our conversations get? Don't you think it works that way with our Heavenly Father? Learning to pray is, is also, it's kind of like learning another language. You know, it's, it's awkward at first. But when you do it long enough, guess what happens? You become fluent. There is nothing off limits when you talk to God. Even the stuff that you don't want to talk to anybody else about. The stuff that you're trying to hide from everybody in your world. Can I tell you there's something beautiful about just being able to spill it. Well, what is he going to think if I talk? He knows it already. So you might as well just lay it on him. Spill it. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says, 
This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of Him. Oh, listen. When you pray, heaven pays attention. Well, I'm not very good at it. Neither are the rest of us. We're still struggling and trying to figure this thing out. So pray without fear. Pray without shame. Pray without hesitation. God loves it when you talk to Him. Prayer is a conversation, not a ceremony. We try to make it so religious, don't we? Prayer is a relationship. It's not a ritual. Hey, you need to hear this. Prayer is not a duty. Prayer is not a part of religious activity that you've got to check off. It's a privilege to talk to the God of the universe. The God that created everything that you've ever touched, ever saw, ever experienced. The God of the universe wants to talk to you. Wow. Oh, I don't have time. Stop. Are you kidding me? Hey, listen, if prayer's boring, you're talking about the wrong thing. Uh, my, my favorite passage of Scripture is Jeremiah 29, 11. But, but sometimes we stop reading too soon. So I'm going to read Jeremiah 29, 11 and verse 12. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me. And come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody, and you saw it when they checked out? You're having a conversation with them, and you just saw that you lost their attention, and they're somewhere else. Now, they may hear what you're saying, but they're not there. That never happens with God. He, you have his undivided attention. I can't do that. We're sitting at the dinner table one night. And, and, and it's me and Mikey and Don and Kelly. And so Mikey and I are trying to carry on a conversation. And Don and Kelly are trying to carry on a completely different conversation. And I'm about to lose my mind. Because I'm trying to listen to them. And I'm trying to listen to Mikey. And I'm trying to. And God can listen to 7.2 billion voices at the same time. And you have his undivided attention. That's good news. He's interested in everything you have to say because he desperately, passionately loves you. All right, let's go on. Number two, God listens to prayers that are sincere and simple. You don't have to use flowery words. You don't have to sound religious. Fancy phrases. Here's what he wants from you. He wants it from your heart. He wants it to be authentic. Now, now some of y'all have been hanging around church a long time, so I wonder if this will resonate with anybody. You ever had a conversation with somebody, and they're like, yeah, we got up in the deer stand yesterday, and it was all good, and everything was fine, and we were watching the deer walk across, and, and yeah, we, we, then we went and got some barbecue for lunch, and then somebody asked them to pray in church, oh, gracious heavenly Father, <laughs> thou art most kind and compassionate Stop! 
Right? Just stop. It's not how it's supposed to be. Just be you. Doesn't have to come from some religious sound and nonsense. And I'm not, I started to apologize for calling it nonsense, but sometimes it is. Because you don't even know what you're saying when you say it. We had this, we had this associate pastor when we were, we were in Statesboro. His name was Matt Kunkel. And I hope, I hope he hears this message some way. We would go to, about once or twice a month, we would go as a staff and have lunch together. And he would, our, our senior pastor would ask one of us to pray for our meal. And I hated it when he asked Matt to pray. Because listen, I, I'm the most nonviolent, compassionate person you know. But do not get between me and a plate of Texas fajita nachos. <laughs> All right, so we don't pray until they're smoking on the table. You with me? It's just sizzling. In the, and I'm, and it's, so he's asked Matt to pray, and I'm like, oh, no, not Matt. Because <laughs> here's what's going to happen. He's going to pray for missionaries in Africa. He's going to pray for world peace and global warming. He's going to pray for the ozone layer. He's going to pray for the mission to Mars. He's going to pray for everything you know. And half the time, forget to bless the food. <laughs> and so one day, I kid you not, I said this to him. He got finished. My food was cold. And I said, Matt, just the food, man. Just the food. You can do the rest of that on your own time. I know that's wrong. I'm not saying I'm proud of it, but that's what I said. Jesus kind of said something like that. He did. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. Instead, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling on and on like pagans. I just called Matt Kunkel a pagan. Matt <laughs> Maybe I don't want him to hear this. Babbling on and on like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask it. Mm. So here's, here's, uh, I had I had a a boss one time that gave me a phrase. Um, I I worked in the technical service industry for years and years and years and years, and so sometimes some of our stuff was kind of techy. And he had this phrase. He said, just remember KISS. KISS stands for keep it simple, stupid. So I'm not going to say keep it simple, stupid. I'll say keep it simple, saints. <laughs> you know, how do you know that a 30-second prayer of sincerity will, will accomplish much more than a 10-minute prayer of just going on and on and on? All right, can we go on? Jesus, uh, or he, the book of Hebrews says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Hey, listen, don't try to impress God. First of all, you, you don't have anything that can impress God. See, God doesn't, God, God's not... Uh, Concerned with you trying to impress him. He is concerned with your sincere heart and just loving you. All right, here we go. 
Number three, God likes to show his grace by answering prayer. So just so I, I know who I'm talking to, have you ever felt like a prayer has gone unanswered? Wait at me. I, I want to I dispel that today because I believe we serve a, a great, compassionate, good, good, good father. And he loves to answer your prayers even when it's no. Parents, wait a minute. What if you gave your children everything they asked for? What kind of human being would they be at 21 if you gave them everything you asked for, they asked for? Is, am I right in saying that sometimes the most loving, gracious, right thing you can say is no? So let's, let's understand that when God says no, that it's from a heart of love and grace and mercy. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says not yet. In fact, I, I believe God answers prayer one of four ways. Okay? I, I believe sometimes he says yes. Right? Sometimes yes. Sometimes no. Sometimes not yet. And sometimes, seriously? Right? What are you thinking? No, Dwayne, I'm not giving you a raptor. You can't afford the insurance. <laughs> right. God, you didn't answer me. Yes, I did. I said no. I said not yet. Listen, sometimes we think delay equals den denial, and that doesn't mean that. You know, some of you prayed for, maybe you, maybe you prayed for a companion. And, and it didn't happen. Maybe it's just not yet. You've, you're praying for someone that you love to find Christ. God hadn't said no. He said not yet. That God's working things out in his own order, in his own time. Uh, Y'all have heard the story, so I'm not going to bore you with it. But my sweet grandmother-in-law prayed for her husband for 60 years. More than 60 years, 60 plus years, the man gave his life to Christ at 94 years of age. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, sometimes not yet. Jeremiah 33, 3 in the Message Bible says, call to me and I will answer you. I will show you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. Don't you love that, the way that reads? Well, well God, I, I, can't, I, I can't figure this out. Well, I can. Right? See, what limits you doesn't limit God. And sometimes... We think God hadn't answered our prayer because we don't like his answer. Can, can I give you a, a really good example? You ain't going to like it. Maybe you've prayed for God to help your finances. And the answer was, be more generous. I, I didn't hear that. All right. 
Matthew 7, 11 says, So if, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? James 4 says, You do not have because you do not ask God. We, we, you, you probably heard, if you were at the growth group this morning, if you're here this past Wednesday night, man, there, God's wired us to pray and there's some things aren't going to happen until you ask him. Now, why would he do that? If God knows what I need, why would he want me to ask him? It's because God's a great teacher. And he's teaching you that you need him. And that your life is in his hands. And he wants you into a place of surrender and submission to him because he loves you. All right, last one. I love, and this is my favorite one. God longs to be close to me. And, and I, I didn't want to say God wants to be close to you. Because I, I wanted you to read it and write it just like this. God wants to be close to me. Me. You're going, you know what I've done. God doesn't want to be close to me. Yes, he does. Period. You, you don't know the path I've walked. You don't know what I've done and who I've done it with. No, I don't. God does and still wants to be close. Man, I hope that's good news for somebody. See, we have in our minds this invisible threshold that we, we cross. Well, once I cross that invisible threshold that God doesn't want anything to do with me anymore, I, I need to tell you that your pastor, most of the folks that are sitting around you have danced across and back and forth that threshold numerous, dozens of times. And God still wants to be close. Well, I'm, I'm not very religious. Good. Good. Because it's really not a religion anyway, is it, y'all? It's, it's a relationship with, my, uh, with the God of the universe that just wants me. I'm his child, and he wants to be close to me. Somebody asked me, or said to me, Actually, not too very long ago. I, I just, sometimes I don't pray because I feel like God's got better things to do than deal with my stuff. Because he's God, I can say this with absolute confidence. You are his highest priority. He's not too busy for you. He has, he's devoted himself to loving you, to loving this world. Isaiah said it this way, so the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show his love and compassion. Do you get that? He's waiting on you. No, he's not too busy. He is sitting on the edge of his throne longing for you to come to him. 
longing for you to walk into his presence, longing for you to speak to him and have communion with him and be with him because he wants to be close. Isn't that beautiful? Um, I've known parents that experienced the pain of a child that could not talk to them because of a, a disability or because of a, a, a mental illness. The child could not communicate with their parents. And that has to be, I, I, I don't even know the words to say. That has to be an incredibly difficult What if you had a child that would not talk to you? That had the ability, that had the access, and just simply would not talk to you? What kind of pain? Let's not be that child. Let's not be that child that's going to be so busy so preoccupied with our world, so preoccupied with things around us that we just will not talk to God. Let's not be that. Let's not be that child. Because he desperately, desperately, <laughs> he designed you for relationship with him. He created you for his companionship. And somebody in the room needs to hear this. He chose you to be his child. No, not me. You're talking to somebody else. I absolutely am not. He chose you to be his child. Because that's how much he loves you. The, the Living Bible reads Hosea chapter 6 in a very passionate way. I, I, I love this. God says, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. In other words, I don't want your religion. I, I don't want your, you're trying to impress me with how often you come to church and, and how you, you know, check off all the boxes of your, of your religious, you know, checklist. I just want you to know me. I want you to love me. If you're in growth group this morning, you heard this passage. And it's so, it, it, just, it just blows me away. First, excuse me, John chapter 15. Jesus said these words. I no longer call you slaves. Because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Did I read that right? That... God wants to be my friend? I think I did. Because I was formed, you were formed for relationship with God. Listen, if the creator of the universe wants to be in a friendship relationship with you. I heard, so, I heard a preacher say this one time. I shared this Wednesday night. But I'm going to do it again because it made me mad when I heard it. I don't want a friend. I don't want God to be my friend, is what he said. 
I don't want God to be my friend. He's my king. He's my Lord. And that's what we're, and I'm like, why can't he be both? He is my king. And he is my Lord. And he is my master. But can I tell you, I'm so glad that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And when stuff's going on inside of me that I can't tell anybody else in the world, I could crawl up in the lap of my father and spill it and love him and let him love me back. And he longs for that from me. So if the God of the universe wants to be my friend, what is there that's more important than that? meeting is more important than that what nothing is more important than that so what are you going to do with that what are you going to do with that knowledge that there's nothing more important than your relationship with God are you are you going to walk out today and just go well man that was that was good You're going to do something about it. And so my challenge to you is to do something about it. To, to bring that relationship closer. And we, we, we overcomplicate this thing, y'all. You know, how, how do I get closer to my wife? How do I get closer to my friends? Do I just expect it just to happen? No. If I want to get closer to my wife, guess what I got to do? I gotta spend time with my wife. I gotta communicate with my wife. So if I want to get closer to God, it really comes to two things. First of all, I gotta want to. Sometimes we're not close to people because we don't want to be close to people. Now, don't judge me for what I'm getting ready to say. But because you got people in your life that you really want to get close to, and you got people in your life where just a little bit of them goes a long way. Am I right or wrong? And so you don't have the desire to develop a closer relationship with them. And, and frankly, we have that same attitude with God. Well, I, he's got, you know, this, you know, I, I'll give him an hour and ten minutes on Sunday morning. A little bit of God goes a long way, which is true, by the way. A little bit of God does go a long way, but he wants more than that from you. He wants more than that from me. So desire and time, desire and time, those two things are what's going to help me be closer to God. Psalm 25 says, the Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. There's one translation that says, uh, where I just read to you, he teaches them his covenant. There's one translation that reads it. He shares with them the secrets of his covenant. Hey, you know you got a good friend when you can tell them a secret and they're going to keep it zipped. Right? I don't keep secrets well. Especially good news. I can keep bad news secrets. But I don't keep good news secrets well. So I gotta be, I gotta be intentional. I gotta, mm, I can't, that's good news, but I can't tell anybody. How I many you know the Lord longs to share the secrets of his goodness and the mysteries of his mercy with his children? Isn't that good, y'all? Golly. <clears throat> James 4, verse 8 says, Come close to me. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. So here's how I want to end this service today. I mean, we've, we've spent the last 35 minutes talking about the importance of, of responding to this heart of God that wants to spend time with his children. 
So Don's going to come and play the piano, keyboard, music. So here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to spend 35 minutes talking about the importance of having a relationship with our Father. And then I give you an opportunity to practice it. So we're going to take the last few minutes of our service. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to talk to God. Dwayne, I don't know what to say. Then tell God, God, I don't know what to say. But I bet here's what will happen. If, if, if you'll just remember this thought, that God wants to be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And maybe start with just what you're feeling. Can I tell you how simple it can be? We had a pretty long day yesterday. Had a pretty long day Friday. And so I got up early, early, early this morning. I'm sitting on my couch and I'm, I'm uh, you know, going through <clears throat> the sermon. And it was time to get ready to come up here. And I, was ex- I just felt exhausted. I felt drained. And I said, Lord, I need your strength. Five words. Lord, I need your strength. Period. And can I tell you, God answered that prayer. In a couple ways. I I felt supernatural strength. Came to church. I had a, a full rack of dark magic K-cups back there in my office. Can't answer my prayer that way. My son walks in with a monster energy drink. Hey, listen, now you laugh. Don't ask God to help you and then argue about how he helps you. Five words, Lord, I need your strength. So what I'm trying to tell you is this time that we're going to share tonight, this, this afternoon, I don't even know what day it is. This time that we're going to share doesn't have to be wordy to share with him what's on your heart. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to just talk to God. You can sit right where you're at. Bow your head. Talk to the Lord. You can come kneel around this altar. We're going to take a few minutes and just let you pray.
Father, in Jesus' name. We, we thank you for the privilege of being able to have communion and relationship with the God of the universe. God, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. Would you forgive us, forgive me for neglecting that. Forgive us for being too busy, too consumed, too distracted. Help us to become people of prayer. Hey, with your head still bowed, I just I feel compelled to just mention this and just say this from my heart. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus, you're not following Christ, I can think of no better day than today. For you to make a choice and a decision to follow Christ with the rest of your life. I believe with everything in me that that would absolutely be the best decision you've ever, ever, ever made. Well, how do I do that, Dwayne? Well, it's a simple process. It was a very complex event that took place that allowed you the ability. Jesus Christ came to this earth and he lived and he died for, lived on this earth for 33 years. And he died as payment for your sin and for mine. And then three days later, rose again on the first Easter and is alive today, we believe. The Bible says he's at the right hand of the Father praying for you now. And so our response to that gift of love is just to surrender our life and say, okay, God, I believe that your son is the son of God. Forgive me my sin. Help me to live for you. You have my life. And then follow him. I don't know what that means, but we're going to help you with that part. It all starts with a decision. And it can be a simple prayer. Father, I believe in your son. And I want to follow him. So Lord, right now we collectively surrender our lives to you and ask that you walk with us and help us, more importantly, to walk with you and follow you.